0: Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from For The Region about the future of South West Wales. Today's roundtable conversation is about the subject of returning to work. As the Welsh Government starts to ease the lockdown and encourage more of us to get back to work, we're speaking to some of the region's major employers including BT, Avato, JCP solicitors and Bevan and Buckland. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation, lots of insights from those organisations about how they're overcoming some of the challenges and obstacles in getting their teams back to work and reflections on what they've learnt and some of the value that's come out of this experience to enable them to build back better in their organisations and collectively as a region as we go forward. Enjoy the conversation.
1: Welcome to the second of For the Region's online series, Build Back Better. We're delighted to welcome some large employers from across the region to join us for a conversation about getting back to work. We're looking at having a discussion about what in the world of work and business has changed and what are our ambitions for getting back to some normality or some new ideas about building back better. I'd like to welcome Hayley Davis, who's Director of JCP Solicitors, Ben Coscain, Programme Director from BT, uh, Alison Vickers from uh, Bevan and Buckland, Emma Broomfield from Avato. I'm Zoe Antrobus from For the Region, and this is my colleague and host, Dawn Lyle.
0: Oh, thanks Zoe. Welcome everyone and thanks for joining us uh, this morning to talk about the return to work. Uh, As Zoe has said, in your world, the return is, is already underway and some of you have been working in your offices all the way through this lockdown and the pandemic so far. So we're really excited to hear sort of your insights and your perspective and particularly in relation to what's changed and what needs to change as we all get back to work. You know, the first thing to talk about probably is the immediate concerns. Welsh Government are gradually announcing the reopening of non-essential shops and businesses and and encouraging people to get back to work and to do so safely. I'll start with you, Hayley. You said you've been coming into your office at, at JCP from the beginning. Any prospect of your colleagues coming back to work in the office? What are your immediate concerns in the short
2: term? Well, I think like everybody, the main concern is ensuring that we can bring them back to a safe working environment. We have been very clear from the outset that we're not going to rush back to our offices, bearing in mind that we've got nine premises that we have to prepare for for a safe return. So from our perspective, it's looking at how we can achieve that in the best way possible. We are talking to our uh, team members all of the time to ensure that they are on board for returning as well. And we've just recently sent out a, a staff survey where we've we've asked a number of different uh, questions, but the main theme being, how has it been for you? And uh, what do you think uh, the future will entail if you had a choice as to what you do next? So um, whilst I can't share the feedback from that with you because we're, we're still analysing a lot of the data that will help us to shape our return to office. What's your general sense
0: Haley? Do you think people are <laughs> you know chomping at the bit to get back into the office or do you think more people will want to work from home going forward? What's your general
2: sense of the mood? there's a huge difference across our team members bearing in mind that we've got a range of ages a range of genders a range of different roles that make it more difficult to try and work from home equally we've got some employees that have got childcare issues that is going to dictate whether they are able to come back to the office regardless of whether they want to be in the office or not so there's a huge range majority I think want to come back But uh, we also know from initial findings that there's a lot of anxiety about coming back as well in terms of knowing that they will be safe.
0: Mm. And um, I could bring you in, Alison, on this as well, because similarly to JCP, Bevan and Buckland have a lot of office-based staff. What are your immediate concerns and challenges and how are you gonna bring people back to work?
3: there was a couple of things yes safety is always going to be first but mental health the mental health of our staff as well uh, we've already completed the sort of the survey of what staff wanted it went out a couple of weeks ago so I have got the answer the responses oh, and the answers not that if only I knew the answers but I have certainly got the responses what we found about a third of our Swansea based staff wanted to come back and be permanently based back in the office We had about 25% said they were happy to be permanently based at home. And the rest then wanted um, to be able to access the office maybe one or two days a week and have a real mixture. So, So what we've done, the office has been open throughout. So we've had our reception open. We've been open to receive clients' books and records, people dropping things in. It's been done in a very structured way. So they have to book an appointment. We we've got three downstairs sort of meeting rooms. So three days a week, they would drop the books into sort of the relevant meeting room where the information would sit there for three days before anybody accessed it. So we had, we had a very sort of process driven approach to to that. But the staff, we found that some are really keen to come back in. So we've already got it's crept up from having two or three staff in to currently we've got nine working in the office. We put screens up, hand sanitizer stations we we've um, we've moved the desks around so that that they're, they're sitting at least 2 meters apart and and not facing each other so we've restructured quite a lot and so we've got the permanent staff we have got their space the, per, the ones who want to permanently be, be based in the office the ones on rota then obviously you can't sit at some a desk that someone sat at the day before so we've had to bring all of that into it but it's it, so we just, we're surprised how many wanted to be permanently based in the office. We thought they may want a little bit more of a variety, but they're really keen to get back to some sort of contact about.
0: Yeah, I think um, some of the novelty of working from home has worn off and of course the challenge of juggling childcare and everything else. Um, but it must be strange. Uh, you know, working socially distance when you're used to all getting together for a cup of tea in the kitchen and chatting over lunch. Uh, it's a whole new culture. Does it feel weird? Uh, it is weird. So what we've done, we set up
3: mini pods, as we called it, because uh, and we tried to put sort of friendship groups together. And um, what we've said is speak to each other, have your little 10 minute chat over lunch. But do it through some sort of the teams teams meeting we tend to use some sort of the teams format so that you can catch up, and then we've got a sort of someone in charge of the mini pod who does a little social call every couple of days to make sure is that person coping, are there any problems, you know how are they feeling in themselves as well as the work workload, so, and that's worked quite well so. We tried to do things, we we had a quiz about a virtual pub name, we've had a a retirement party online, we've had other quizzes, you know, just general quizzes, just to to keep them feeling part of the
0: team. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. It's uh, so important to think about the well-being and, you know, as as large employers in our region, I know you take that really seriously and uh, it's all the more important now. Ben, you're responsible, really, for the, all the work that goes on inside the BT Tower in Swansea City Centre, so um, what is that, an 11 or 12 storey building and you employ a huge number of people from that site. What's been going on with you and what does the short term future look like at BT?
4: Yeah, so I think we, you know, we could have, we probably got about 450 people we would potentially normally have in the, uh, in the, in the Swansea Tower. We've probably now got uh, probably over 100 people in there at the moment. Um, I think mean, the challenge, as you say, is it's an 11-floor building, um, and I think what we've tried to do is be quite flexible. Again, you know, one of the things we did very early of our staff is, is kind of ask, firstly, you know, who wants to work from home? Um, I think it's a combination of who wants to work from home, who can, um, you know, clearly people need to have the right kind of facilities, space at home, uh, you know, the right, for example, connectivity broadband, um, you know, somebody essentially in a small house of children running around, um, certainly for our contact centres, that's probably not an area they would feel comfortable working in. And, you know, clearly as well, we have to adhere to certain things around privacy, you know, having conversations with customers, that that type of thing. So, I think we've had to, you know, adapt very quickly. And I think, you know, very similar to what other people have said on the call really is, you know, making sure that our, our office environments are safe, that we put the right um, facilities in place, uh, you know, ensuring, you know, distancing. I mean, I guess in simple terms, you know, generally a bank of six desks has become a bank of three desks. Um, really what we've also looked to do is make sure we move what I would deem as non-essential people out of the building. So, you know, we've kind of prioritized our buildings where we need to put our kind of contact centers in, um, you know, where those people can and, and, and other people really what I deem the support teams. It's probably been easier for those guys to kind of work from home. But again, you know, even for our contact center guys as well, there's a lot of, you know, working together in teams, having a manager supporting them, etc. You know, it's quite a transition that we've obviously had to, you know, use new technology, you know, allow people to kind of, you know, use things like Skype messaging where they need to reach out for a manager to support them on a call. So it's been an interesting challenge, but I think, you know, something that people have stepped up to. And I guess now that initial period has passed, it's trying to work out, right, well, what next?
0: Yeah, I suppose that in the immediate um, period of lockdown, um, online connectivity became really important for a lot of people. So did you see that at BT, you know, a big uh, rise in the number of uh, people making contact? And I suppose you had to sort of step into that role as more and more people needed to be able to have online meetings and work from home.
4: I think it's interesting, and I, and I should have probably had the stat to hand, but I know quite a few of our technology guys have come out to say, despite you know what everyone would see as a demand, the network has held really well, and even. Even in the daytime, it's still, and and don't quote me on this, but there was still something like it was still lower, like 75% of what we would see generally as a spike. Um, Normally for us, that big spike is probably 6 o'clock onwards. People are getting home, you know, suddenly the whole household has got multiple devices. Um, And I guess, you know, speaking, you know, I guess from all providers' perspective, but certainly, you know, for BT side, we're you know really, really happy actually because the network has held up, which has enabled us to do things like this. You know, people have been able to very quickly, uh, you know, work in a different way and, you know, adjust. And, you know, it's good to see that people have embraced video calling, really. I mean, that I think it's a, it's a strange one, really, because I think we're all used to sitting in a room together. I think some people have taken a little bit longer the idea of turning on a camera at home. Um, but I think it's becoming the norm a lot more, which is, you know, personally for me a good thing because you know it's using technology
0: yeah absolutely i think it's a, a massive shift online and and people are, get much more used to these things that used to feel uh, more daunting chatting on on these rooms and you say the internet's held up pretty well and touch wood you haven't just jinxed it for our call today because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've all become so dependent haven't we on on that uh, connectivity much more so than we were before Um, I'd like to bring Emma in. Emma Bloomfield from Arvato, Shared Services Company. Uh, What's been going on for you, Emma, and what's happening in terms of bringing your teams back into the office now? Um,
5: Well, it's been an extremely busy period, uh, which it has been for everybody. Um, Myself being the facilities manager, so I've been preparing the building, um, getting it ready, getting it safe, putting in the social distancing for um, staff measures. Um, We have no... Plans at the moment to, to bring people back so that there is no rush. So, there's quite a lot of adaption in the building. So, our reception area uh, is closed. Our building is run by access control anyway. So, to get into the building, you have to have a valid pass. The reception area, uh, we've got uh, turnstiles to get into the actual building itself. So, we've had to uh, disconnect the hand scanners because that's classed as a multi touch point. So, to reduce Any likelihood of any potential spread Um, so we still have the turnstiles to access but they are automated we've got floor markers everywhere we've got signs everywhere we've got the same as BT so we've reduced desks down from eight banks of eight down to four Um, the lift we've we've only got a two-story building but I mean our lift is only suitable for one person so it's definitely not as bad as what uh, they've got in BT Yes, yeah, so we've got hand sanitizer stations everywhere. We've got um, antibacterial wipes everywhere. We've had to cordon off areas in the toilets as well to make sure um, that we don't have any queues or anything. So it's, it's been a very busy time. Um, very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, We'll see as well if anything else changes with it, since we put everything into place if there's gonna be any further uh, changes with with the government guidelines before people come back, what else do we need to change?
1: I think space as well for lots of businesses Mm. is quite a big issue, even in corridors and everything, to create that one-way system is a really difficult, you know, Avato is quite a big office space. Yes, and we're a plan as well. (laughs) Yeah, so you're able to sort of create that one-way system, but lots of businesses going forward work in much smaller environments and it's going to be quite difficult for them.
5: I think with um, the older buildings as well so you've got you know the modular offices you've got the narrower corridors I think we are lucky that we don't have that um, but yeah it's going to be quite challenging for the for the older buildings.
0: Yeah interesting the challenges that different businesses will face but it's also true I think that for those of us in sort of professional services it's one of the sectors that has been able to keep going through this period of lockdown and adapt quite well in, in the short term. I mean, looking forward now, and I'll, I'll come to you, Haley, and see what you think. But, you know, once this immediate transition is over and we, we settle into whatever people are calling the new normal, what do you think the lasting impact of lockdown and all this um, pandemic crisis will be? You know, when we look back on this experience in a couple of years' time or in five years' time, what will we think of as the lasting impacts um, and sort of changes to the way we live and work long term?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, from from, from our perspective, I, I hope we will look back on it and not just remember all the really awful times that we've been through, but the the positives that have come out of it as well. And I think from JCP's perspective and I appreciate that we have all got different viewpoints but from JCP's perspective we feel that we you know we will come out of this stronger in the long run our our culture has actually been positively impacted throughout the lockdown ironically I mean people talk about feeling closer than ever even though we're so far apart because you know we're really doing so much more over and above perhaps what we would have done previously to ensure that people don't feel isolated and disconnected from the business so so that's a big thing ensuring that we can hold on to that Uh, and also the ability to have the, the the flexibility for people to work not necessarily work from home, uh, you know, as a, as a permanent measure. That's not something that I think for JCP would be a way forward, but just uh, knowing that people can have the confidence to be able to work at home where prior to lockdown, they never thought that was an option. And it's the digital working really that has driven that at a pace, perhaps faster than anybody could have uh, expected and and from our point of view we think that we can embrace that in fact we've made a pledge that we are going to not go back to the way it was we are going to drive forward with some of the major digital changes and take this as the opportunity to start that process
0: what sorts of digital changes are you talking about the sort of meeting with clients and that sort of thing
2: combination of things I mean the meeting with clients is one thing although you can't beat a face-to-face meeting no matter how great the technology is and I think we shouldn't lose sight of that but from our point of view specifically it's about the paper-based work that we have continued to work with for a very long time as a law firm you know we've we've been dictated to by numerous organizations and regulations in terms of what we can and can't do and going forward The experience that we've had over over lockdown is that other organisations have had to actually move forward and allow us to do more digitally. And, you know, we've got to capture that and take that forward.
0: Mm, That sounds like a good opportunity. And I'm hearing that from a number of sectors. It's sped up the the process of, of going digital. Alison, what do you think, looking back on this experience in five years time, what will be the lasting impacts, do you think, from your perspective?
3: communication so what we've found is the way we communicate with clients and w- the way we hold meetings um, i i agree to an extent that it's really good to have face-to-face meetings but for quick catch ups we we will certainly certainly when we do audits we'll have a pre-planning meeting and so on and we could end up driving to cardiff for an hour's meeting and all of those have been done on zoom or teams and they've been fantastic so what we feel is that that communication. We've introduced it and we did a weekly comms communication meeting. We now do it daily, all the team come on to Teams and that's worked really well. Keeps them informed, keeps them up to date. So it's the way we transact. One of the big themes we've taken through all of this is lessons learned. So what can we learn? Uh, luckily enough, we've gone digital with all our working papers about a year or so ago which has made the transition so much easier. So everything's there. I access client data sort of at a sort of push of a button. So that's been a real win, but we'd already adopted that. We've certainly seen the culture of our office be really positively impacted. And what we've found is that people see it as more one team. We've been trying to sort of change our culture. You're all one team. You're in this together. And this has cemented it. So for example, my audit team, now they speak two or three days a week, they're all on that. And they're all, how can they help with that audit? Can they offer services there? And it's been fantastic, so that's been a real win. So a couple of things is the way we communicate and how we work as a team, and just keep the momentum going for our digital files. If you like, you know, we saw that, we were there anyway, just keep that going.
0: And what you've talked about there with less travel to meetings, that obviously has an impact on road use and car use as well. And if you're saying a third of your team are thinking that they'll work from home permanently, do you think there's opportunity to capture those gains? And, and what's parking like around your sites? Is, is this uh, helping? Oh, helping me majorly. Uh, parking is like a nightmare. in I say
3: one. They would sort of reduce the amount of permits or the areas where you could permit park. We had limited parking spaces it was always a discussion should we say discussion point is the easiest way to call it in the office it was always on the agenda so what we've said now is with only you know a third of the staff so about 20 20 odd people coming in permanently and the rest on there, we could actually accommodate the parking a lot easier uh, and, and so things like that will be a, an absolute win for us and, and a win for the staff they have less commuting time I'm currently saving an hour and 10 minutes every day versus coming into a different room in the house um, but so we're seeing commuting time saved cost of commuting saved cost of parking and it's positive for the environment so we've, we've seen a big win there
0: I don't know if this uh, rings true for you but I find in conversations with professionals and business people who could potentially cycle to work, or even walk to work, or leave the car and use public transport. The main reason for needing to drive to work is quite often because you need your car to go out to meetings during the day. And I think if we're removing a lot of that requirement and doing more of our meetings digitally, I think perhaps more of us can seriously think about do we need to take the car to work or could we find an alternative means of travel given that it's only the to and from work journey and not needing to uh, travel for meetings?
3: Absolutely. Uh, that, and that was one of the arguments the staff always said, well, we need vehicles because we go out to clients so much. So if you then say we've got to get a different means, how are we going to get to client meetings? So if they're suddenly halved or you know, even more so, then it puts a different, different sort of complexion and how they, they use their cars and how they get to work.
0: As you're the accountant among us, Alison, can I ask you what you think in terms of the economic impact? Obviously, this is a massive question, but what's your perspective so far and what do you think the, the longer-term impacts will be for your clients? What, what sort of themes are you seeing emerging, but particularly over the longer term
3: if i touch on the current at the moment lots of our clients in fact you know i'm going to say touch word, no client has gone under yet so that no one's stopped operating i'll use that word rather than trading because lots of them have stopped trading at the minute because they've <laughs> just stopped operating um there's been some really good you know between the furlough the c-bills the bounce back loans the grants the deferring of the fact there's a you know whole tranche of of support out there which has been fantastic and has kept those businesses going. There are some people who fell through every net, if you like, every, every sort of um, support, which is a, is unfortunate. So we have seen some affected, but to date, everybody's moving forward. The repayments have been deferred for loans and HPs has helped. So all positive to date, but we're really concerned that once the support ends, there's going to be a cliff come in. Because if for example, I've got a um, really good client who's been very profitable, and then for them to come back on restricted openings and restricted numbers, you, how how is he going to make profit moving forward? Did he just he say? And that's a real challenge. And that's someone who started off in a very profitable base. We have some who have what we call lifestyle companies. They make enough earnings to sort of keep their lifestyle without making super profits or or being able to retain large surpluses those are going to find it really hard so our concerns are sort of the september october november time where we think there could be a lot of casualties i think in the long term um things are going to be different people have learned different ways so will shopping habits change the retail sector will make massive changes i think people will have to adopt and how they get the customer base and, and really, and the ones who adopt the better should come up positive at the end. Some, unfortunately, will never be able to adopt, you know, and no matter what they do, their business model perhaps won't work. So we do think there'll be a number of casualties as our concerns, and, and people will have to re-look at what they've got. If you, like, start with a blank sheet to think, well, how can we change it and how can we push it forward?
0: And I think it's interesting to think about the opportunities to innovate And spot new opportunities as we go through this and new markets that are emerging. And I know, Emma, you were saying that actually Avato has secured new clients through this process and there have been new opportunities emerging. It's interesting to hear that perspective. What sort of opportunities have you identified and how can Avato sort of adapt and
5: grow? So we're predominantly uh, government working. We've been able to secure and support the PPE supplies, so we, we participated in that what we've got now is the track and trace or the contract tracing system so it's only a short contract at the moment but you know it's a possibility that it could lead on to other business afterwards unfortunately it's been a tricky situation for some but it has worked a little bit in our favor the line of work that we do
0: and ben innovation is key to your role and key to bt's continued growth and development do you think innovation and new opportunities are a key way for businesses to look at surviving this experience
4: Yeah, I think, I mean, I'd even go back to some of the earlier points and say as well, I mean, what we shouldn't lose sight of is this has been a really interesting case study through, you know, no one obviously planned this, but the idea of companies having to change and more people working from home, actually, there's a whole ream of really useful data to look back at to see, well, how does this impact productivity if you looked across different sectors and things? And I think it will... You know actually arm you know arguments or, or discussions going forward i think certainly innovation is is key i mean if we look at it i mean obviously a big thing for us being involved just thinking from a, from a company like bt sport i mean the football obviously stopped um you yeah, know, that had a huge impact for us as a company we've got studios and even getting the football back i mean i saw the, the piece something we just worked on and we've sort of been trialing now is this idea of watching together so if our customers are watching um, say the football on an app they can you know video chat at the same time with with you know a number of friends so this idea of trying to bring it together so you know people can't go to the the pub or somewhere and watch it they can't go to the grounds and watch it so it's trying to find well what are the kind of new ways that you can look to innovate and i think to the previous comments as well i mean you know a personal opinion as well is, you know companies are going to have to you know think quite hard i mean you look in the high street and I've always thought companies like Next have done a good job. I mean, Next seem to have a lot more of their business is actually the fact that people are walking in the store to pick up online orders, but then obviously you've got a footfall in the store. Then it obviously, you know, sees other things. So I think it's a lot of that type of innovation. The idea that you you know, can't walk around a store set at the moment and just be sort of grabbing everything to look at is quite an alien concept. Um, so I think, you know, People are going to have to look at well, you know, how do you adapt around it? Uh, Even for us, you know, we have a big retail presence of our EE stores, which are starting to, you know, reopen now on the um, high streets. But again, putting in place a lot of protective means both for our customers and our staff, and it's just trying to find different ways then in which we can kind of still interact with customers, still allow them to do things, but in in a safe manner is going to be, you know, absolutely key for you know how the high street, I guess, survives this.
0: I think that's an opportunity for our city and our region as well, because we have a lot of students coming out of our universities with digital skills and particularly around content and interactive and virtual reality, I think is, a, is sort of a growing sector as well. And we, we've got all those sorts of skills. So I think if you look for them, there are huge opportunities for businesses to grow into new markets and uh, it's that adaptability to changing times that ensures the survival of, of businesses. I mean John Collins and Partners was around for a long time Haley, wasn't it and I know it's now rebranded as JCP but it's a business that's stood the test of time and what, what do you think is, is, are the opportunities?
2: Well bearing in mind John Collins and Partners was built on the the back of a, a difficult situation back in the 90s and we thankfully made it through the challenging times of 2007-2008. As a law firm we do have the ability to survive these types of crisis from the point of view of we have such a mix of work, we've got a a, a, a big bag of, of what we deliver and in good times certain types of work will flourish and in bad time other types and fortunately that that's enough to have kept us standing throughout the time. I I think for us though one of the big things I would say is that over the last period of 12, 13 weeks of lockdown. One of the things that we've been particularly keen to do is continue to promote the fact that we are here. You know, normally when you have a crisis, people will cut marketing. Uh, It's one of the first things that tends to happen, but we have used our digital marketing to ensure that people know that we're still here we're still delivering our services in the same way just from a different location and we've actually seen quite a large increase in market share from a from a new client base and we, we suspect that that's happened because they are seeing that we are demonstrating that we can still deliver our services and that we haven't just hidden away.
0: I've heard that from a number of other sectors and businesses as well where those cautious companies that were deciding to take a back seat during this crisis have lost market share and those that just went went for it and and took the opportunity to grow sometimes we look at the kind of macroeconomics and what's happening on a global or a national scale and we think oh no one's buying anything it's it's all going down the pan but actually what what always strikes me is that in our own businesses we have we have a micro economy and we can always step up our efforts. And, and I think there's, there's there'll be certainly there'll be winners out of this experience who took the opportunity to grow while others step back. But it's, it's tough times to survive. I'd like to bring the conversation on to what Zoe and I are really passionate about, which is resisting the return to business as usual. Business as usual, as much as we want to get back to some sort of normality, we know that, that was a broken system in lots of ways. And you think about the sort of destruction of the environment and biodiversity loss, but also mental health and work-life balance and inequality and economic exclusion for a lot of people. It was a broken system. And particularly in our region, we need to look at how we build back in a way that puts the well-being of people and the planet and future generations at the heart of what we're doing. And What we're asking is is whether we can be really bold in that, whether this disruption to normal life creates an opportunity for large employers in the region and for all of us in our own lifestyles to think, okay, well, I won't I'll resist the urge to sort of pick up where we left off and And this disruption is just what's needed to create those lifestyle shifts that previously seemed impossible. I mean, air travel is one of the big ones, isn't it? That for a long time, we've all been arguing that we fly too much and that we should cut air travel. And it seemed impossible. And then within a few short weeks, all the planes in the world were grounded. Who would like to come in and talk about how you see opportunities for real progress on some of these issues, whether we're talking about carbon emissions, waste, Access to nature is a big one. I think we've all realised how important it is to be able to get out of the house and into nature. And we've all felt appreciative, those of us who've got gardens and parks nearby. And what about equal opportunities and really topical at the moment with the killing of George Floyd in America, race equality is really high on the agenda. Are there things that businesses and organisations should be doing now and need to do now if we do want to build a sort of cleaner and greener and fairer society going forward, give me a wave if you'd like to, uh, come in and contribute on that Haley. I'll come back to you
2: I just want to pick up on your points about waste really and the the general contribution to our environment and sustainability one of the huge things that has become very obvious to us I mean it's something we've been conscious about over the years but been become very obvious during lockdown is the amount of paper that actually gets transacted between various organizations and having been the person that on a A couple of days a week cycles to the office, cycles to the post office, picks up the mail and pops it in my backpack and brings it to the office and scans it into other parts of the fee earning teams. I have been completely shocked at the amount of paper that is needless. You know, the single sheets of paper with just one or two lines where somebody could quite easily have have emailed that rather than than put it in the post. And we have taken up an initiative with the local law society to collaborate with other law firms uh, in the first instance to look at how we can work together to say, do you know what, we don't need to do that any longer. We don't want to go back to what was the norm. And I think that will have a massive impact on the ability to, to help our environment
4: my take I guess going back to the early point is I think this gives us a great opportunity to to look and see how this works I mean even if I take this session I mean before COVID this session would have probably been face to face but maybe one person might not be able to make it and have video called in and that one person would probably struggled a little bit because our infrastructure or the rooms aren't always great for it but actually the idea now that everyone's doing these team zoom calls and the fact everyone's sort of darling, that works you know I think we've all seen that and I certainly know from my own experience that uh, I may have a session in London and, and I think is it worth all that travel to go in for for an hour yet you kind of video call in because you're the one person it doesn't always quite work and sometimes you you end up realizing I'm going to have to just travel in for that otherwise it's kind of it's too important really to, to miss and I think what's been interesting and a bit certainly a big takeaway for myself I and mean, I guess what we're looking at is the nature that Everyone is doing it, so by nature of everybody kind of dialing into this, you see how well it works. And then we've cut the fact that none of us have travelled for this session. Certainly, from my perspective, a, a big takeaway to look at going forward: do we do more of that? But then there are certain sessions. I know I miss, for example, the fact that I'm not doing any team building. I'm missing the fact that taking the guys out for a drink or you know just doing an activity. You can do certain things, you know, virtually. But you know, I think that's one area where it's not quite the same.
0: In some organizations, there's this huge culture of presenteeism where you need to be there at the right time in the morning and you need to stay in the office really late to demonstrate how hard you're working. And it's those kinds of cultures that make professional working life challenging for people who have caring responsibilities and family responsibilities. And actually there are ways that we can now think about changing the, the culture to enable people to still work just as hard and make as much contribution as, as they would would make previously, but with more flexibility that actually opens up some of those roles to women and others with caring responsibilities. And I know that's, that's a key opportunity. Alison, what, what, what would you like to say on, on those sorts of how, how can we build back better?
3: So a couple of things. We have um, we were always flexible in the approach with staff um, and to have been sort of been a partner we've had a child and 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 sort of you you've got that responsibility so I knew all about flexibility and we've just taken it another step so what we say to staff now is there's 24 hours in a day seven days a week these are your contractual hours you tell us how are you going to fill complete those contractual hours so we've got some who have got husbands who will work shifts and so on. So some weeks they'll work these hours, other weeks they may not work at all. One week, extra hours over the next three weeks. So we've seen a real change in work patterns. We've got to be mindful with clients and client audits and so on. Um, But certainly that's worked really well. And we've had some really good comments back from staff who said there was no way they could have continued with their job had it not been for our flexibility. And I think we're going to keep that. We certainly, we were always flexible, as I said, and we're going to keep that extra flexibility moving forward. In terms of things like paper and so on, we'd already gone digital in terms of accounts. Our accounts now get signed through a portal, so clients don't actually physically sign their accounts. Some still want to, and still, some still want their hard bone copies, and they can get them, believe me. But we're encouraging you click on a button and you, and you approve it through the portal. Alex emailed pay slips, they're all safe again through a safe environment. So we'd already seen huge reductions in things like that. And again, travel. I used to do 500 miles a week, 26, 27,000 miles a year. I'm averaging about 50 miles a week at the moment. So that's been lovely, you know. So I've cut my travel by 90%. So if everybody did that, that would be massive. But I'm not going to do that. We've got some fantastic staff. And lots of those have got childcare issues. So why would I risk losing that member of staff? Why not just be flexible and work with them? And and that's worked really well.
1: When it comes to travel, um, I'm sure lots of people have been dusting off their bicycles and getting the puncture repair kit out and everything. But are businesses ready to um, receive people coming to work on their bikes? Emma, have you got bike facilities at Avato? So people, is there security places in measure so that people can pull up on their bikes and they're going to be in a safe place?
5: Yes, we do. We've got we've um, got our little bike shed. Um, we've also reintroduced um, the cycle to work scheme. So we've had it all along, but just to market it a little bit more because it also helps with um, the physical aspect for for staff and also with their their mental and uh, well being. We're lucky that we're situated over in Swansea Vale, so we've got quite a large network of cycle paths around. So you know, there's some fantastic views. There's some fantastic um, walks. So I mean in that respect, yeah, you know, we're, we're all ready if, if staff want to take that up, but um, we'll see when we all get to return, really.
1: <laughs> Haley, you've already dust, dusted off your bike as well then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, as as, as as you know, I've um, forced myself to learn a bike over recent years for, for the charity stuff that I did. But yes, I've been getting my bike and coming out to the office, trying to cycle at least two days a week. Um, it does depend on the days because some days the mail is a bit too heavy for me to pop in my rucksack and cycle to the office but um, we've got shower facilities here we've got the bike racks perhaps we haven't gone quite far enough in terms of um, having uh, covered bike facilities so that's something that our staff have asked us to look at for all of our offices because don't forget it's not just about our Swansea office here at uh, HQ we've we've got offices dotted all around South Wales so it's how we can embrace the same sorts of things for those offices as well.
0: And to bring us specifically to this really topical issue of race equality I'm just interested to hear your personal perspectives, really. It's been so shocking and it's shone a new light on an old problem. I know we've got exemplary employers in the room here, but in when you're watching the news and some of the reporting, do you reflect on what you can do as a large employer and You know, how can we tackle the challenge? Because I think a a big part of it, and you know Zoe and I run the annual Race Equality Conference um, in Swansea, and a big part of it is how do we get more BAME individuals in more senior positions within organisations. Looking at John Collins and Partners and Bevan and Buckland, I'm just interested to sort of hear whether you're having conversations about how you individually within your organisations can tackle race representation.
2: I mean, from our point of view, we've always been very clear. It is not about who the person is, what their gender is, what their beliefs are. It's all about having the right person in the right job at any given time. And all we can do is ensure that we commit to ensuring that everybody has the same opportunity.
0: Mm, Alison, would you like to come in?
3: Uh, I'd exactly echo that. We've certainly got policies to make sure there is no discrimination. We talk actively about that. Um, We've got people from those backgrounds that we employ. So for example, we employed um, currently one of my audits, well, my semi-seniors, he's working through his exams and he wanted time to be able to go into a room and, and pray at different times of the day. So we've set that up for him. He was very open in the interview. That's what he needed to be able to fulfill his job. And that was absolutely no problem. It is about the right person. Uh, it's about the, the person who can carry out the role. It's the right person for the role. It doesn't matter, male, female, what their ethnic background is, it really doesn't. And to me, it's all about the quality that person gives. And if you've got to change and adapt slightly, for example, Abdullah, what we've done there, we're more than happy to do that because he was the right person for, for that role then.
0: And I think um, it's practical things as well, isn't it, you know, in terms of in, during recruitment, um, we learn about the uh, best practice in terms of name blind CVs and and taking measures to address our own unconscious bias as well. But it's, it's great to hear that message coming through loud and clear from from regional employers and certainly something we should advocate for as we build back better that these social and environmental and well-being concerns don't get lost in our race to try and resume business as usual. I'd like to ask for any final thoughts really on the next period of time I'd like to see what you're looking forward to about getting back to normality and uh, what you've learned personally from this experience. Ben, can I come to you?
4: Yeah, I think just, uh, look, picking your points up, I think one of the things I found really interesting, and I'm pretty, you know, I'm certainly quite proud of from, from what I saw and certainly from BT is, look, you know, people generally work quite well in a crisis. A crisis kind of brings people together, and, you know, I certainly... Found myself when this first happened I mean the hours I was working went through the roof and we kind of went straight into right what on earth's going on how are we going to manage this what are we going to do let's get a plan let's form it and you know within a period of time you know we had nine odd thousand people working from home which you know was quite a logistical challenge um, to, to go and do and I think it's really interesting because you stand back and realize, wow, you know, you, when you put your mind to it, what can be achieved? And sometimes, you know, you look at that and reflect on other things and sort of think, well, you know, why are some of these other things so, so complicated or take, take so long, which is, you know, certainly a reflection from, from my perspective. I think it's definitely been challenging. I've certainly seen both sides. We've moved a lot of people home some people have liked it. Some people haven't liked it. You know, it's it's back to the point of, I think, you know, it's not one size fits all. The reality is there are some people where it's their only real interaction is coming to work, to mix of people. And I think, you know, we need to be really mindful of that. My own, my own view is, you know, there, I think there's potentially some mental health issues we've really got to make sure we address that could build up, you know, the longer, the longer this, this does go on. Um, I think from a personal perspective, I mean, I've enjoyed definitely had more family time. We've done a lot more. I think the kids are ready to go back to school. I, you know, they are, they are definitely ready. I think as parents, we're ready for them to go back to school. But actually it's, been, it's, it's just been interesting that, you know, we've had more time to get to do things naturally we you know we've been together um you know when the start of this and i kind of treasure that and i think to this whole point about you were saying about you know build back better i think even from a real personal perspective it's a little bit around making sure that we don't lose some of these things you know we've we definitely eat together more you know we've done more things by nature of you know i'm not off traveling around the country or my wife's not and uh, you know i think in that perspective of it it's it's very easy and I can see very easy to slip back into those old ways to I think to your earlier point just around, you know, how businesses operate. So, yeah, it's definitely been a period people will look back on, I think, and everyone will have their views on it all.
0: Emma, what do you think? What are your uh, sort of personal perspective, and what have you
5: learned and what will you take forward? It's a big part of my day coming into work as the social aspect, you know, is the conversation by the coffee area you know that that's all gone. Having the capabilities the, the different platforms that we can use like Teams like Zoom I mean that you know that's been a great help. Um, working from home is not for me but then in my role <laughs> you know yeah uh, I'm lucky I that I can too. come in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, so I am lucky that I can come into work and um, we've got um, as I said we've got we've got about 30 new people downstairs so I get to see new faces every day but I know there's a lot of people who are shielding who are who are on their own um, who, are, who are not fortunate and I, I can see how that would really affect them um, so I, I, I do think that mental health is going to be a, a big contender for people to um, address if they're not doing it already but when we start coming back into the office like you know that you're going to have a lot of people then who are going to suffer from anxiety because they're going to be nervous about coming in what
0: you've said there is so important about keeping in touch with with our colleagues isn't it and, and yeah. checking in and and asking them what they want and i can hear from all of you the sort of staff well-being surveys are a key part of that but also regular check-ins and making sure we're there to meet the needs of people who are finding this a really difficult time
5: yeah yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah and um, you know, looking at the economy and, and local businesses, and you know, the the prospects for companies across our region. One of the themes that comes up a lot is the importance of local local sourcing and and looking at your supply chains. Um, Alison, have you um, got anything to share on on Bevan and Buckland's commitment to buying local? And have you have you looked at your supply chains? Because I think there are opportunities in all our supply chains to think: Can we support local businesses um more as we come through this
3: can i say we don't only it's not only about supporting local businesses it's supporting our clients as well so we where we can we use our clients we absolutely do that's really vital because you know they're using our services and it's important so they have trust and belief in us and we need trust and belief in them back so where we can we really do use client services and we're seeing a lot of our clients do actually use local, which I really, really would encourage. So, yeah, it's a it's, uh, buy local and, and, and keep it in the region and, and build a stronger region because you are part of that region will be my answer.
0: Really key message there. And, and we've talked already today about how this crisis has brought us together. And I think that that sense of pulling through this together is going to be really important. And that commitment to buy and sell to each other and from each other and, and keep our local economies as strong as we possibly can and looking at, looking at supply chains for that purpose I think is going to be key. Um, I've enjoyed today's conversation and I'm grateful to all of you for your contributions. I think it's given us some insight into um, particularly the world of professional services and the, the challenges and opportunities that many businesses across our region Um, are grappling with at the moment and so I'm grateful to you all for sharing your experiences and your thoughts and perspectives on all of that. Um, This has been a roundtable conversation hosted by myself and Zoe For The Region and we'll be continuing these conversations on a weekly basis to hear from the decision makers, the thought leaders and the entrepreneurs and businesses who are pulling together and helping our region to build back better As we go forward. So thank you all very much for joining us today and hopefully we'll see you in person in the not too far distant future. Thanks all for your time. Bye for
3: now.